You're about to enter the world of On the Cusp. The intense language used here requires that you put your brain in pause, place your watch next to the microwave, and experience a different level of mind diffusion. Now sit down, grab your coffee, buckle up, and enjoy what is about to happen and coming your way. What you are listening to is On the Cusp. Good morning, everyone. It is pretty early and I'm not able to sleep because it's about 2.45 in the morning and I just can't sleep anymore. So I need to get up and do something. So I figure, you know what, I'll go ahead and start the podcast myself because then that way I can just hog the whole time that I can do this. So let's go ahead and get started. I don't know if you saw this or if you heard about it, but there was a walkout at the Chicago public school system. Kids that were there, they they had a protest. They had some demands. I'm not going to read all of their demands because it is extensive. It's a lot of um, of demands. We're going to go through some of the more important ones and some of the ones that I also believe they might be kind of like asking for too much. And that's my opinion. There's like 39, 40, 40 demands that the students are asking. Now, first of all, kudos to the kids, right? They're 16, 17 years old. They have these demands and, and they want to make their lives better. And so it, a lot of times, it, at least they're trying to, to make changes to their situation that is going on. So let's get started. Coming in on number one, there's several sections that they have in this demand sheet. I mean, you can find it anywhere. The, the group that is demanding the, these, um, that has these demands, they're called Chirats, Chicago Public Schools Radical Youth Alliance. The radical part seems a little bit, I don't know, interesting. So their first demand is coat, food, and resource drives, mutual aid projects. That might be a parent's responsibility to provide you with coats, with clothing in general, with food in general, and so I don't know if that's correct. The second one, it's interesting that is the second or the third one, because I'm not going to go through the second one, but the third one is reload EBT cards. Again, I think that's a parent's responsibility. And there is, or there there's social services out there so that they can take care of these families. I think that the students, or the not, not the students, I don't think the public school system should be worried with that. The public school system is there to give you an education. And a lot of times, some of these public systems out there are not giving our kids an education. But that's a different topic. The next one is they are demanding one full-time therapist or psychologist for every 30 students. I'm going to say that's too much. 
I think in our local high school, there's maybe 700, 800 students. So that means that if they were demanding this here and the school said, okay, we'll do that and agreed to their demands, we would need about 23, 25 school psychologists. That may not be right or cost efficient, right? Maybe, but it's just me. So next one, much like COVID relief packages, students should receive COVID relief stipends to help cover their necessities or the necessities that families are going through during these these times. Many families are living paycheck to paycheck, which I agree. And this pandemic affects people's ability to work. And that unfortunately affects our ability to live. Yes, but that's not the school's responsibility. They would also like to have a laptop for every student. That's pretty expensive, but times are changing and it makes sense to have a laptop for every student. However, I think that there are certain things that the government does to provide for credits to parents for educational expenses. So continuing, personal tutors outside of school hours in every school, and I thought that there's tutors available to you, at least in our school, our kids had tutors when they needed them, And in some cases, we had to pay privately for a tutor. But anyway, continuing. Fully funding all the supports of any music and arts program in schools. Fully agree with that. Every kid should be involved in arts and music. Fully agree. Social and emotional learning. Implement time for breaks and fund outdoor spaces, green spaces. I think they already do that. Anyway. Okay. And then there's a lot of uh, requests about antigens, COVID uh, vaccines, which I think is already being provided. They also request sufficient N95 masks along with other face coverings, PPE and medical grade masks, as data has proven that cloth masks do not prevent the spread of Omicron variant. I agree with that. Everyone should have a proper masking ability. And in some cases, maybe it is the, the government responsibility to provide uh, safety measures for the students. So that makes sense. They also ask for uh, smaller group sizes. I think that makes a lot of sense. We cannot go back to what it was before. 30 kids in a, in a classroom. That makes no sense at all. Let me drink some coffee. Additional substitutes make sense. Offer spaces of healing and community building. I think they have enough, what do they call safe spaces? There's plenty of them. Moving to larger unoccupied classrooms and spaces inside the school. That makes sense. Small cohorts of groups of up to 15. That makes sense. No spectators for sports. That makes no sense. We've been having this in Florida the whole time. And it hasn't affected anyone negatively at least we haven't heard anything right so anyway there's a there's quite a few uh that i have not talked about but there's a lot of demands that these kids are are doing now they did have a walkout they did have a protest everyone's very close to each other during this protest and so from the pictures that i saw some of them had cloth masks If the virus can get through these cloth masks, then that means that 
Maybe this is a super spreader event and it's not helping their cause. I don't know. In any case, we're going to go ahead and, and move on, okay? Something that is, I guess, not affecting, but is more on the subject of dental. The dentalpost.net just released in early January their 2022 salary survey report. And I'll post a link for you to, uh, to download it so you don't have to listen to me. Well, you want to listen to me, but I'm not going to read you the whole, the whole report. I'm only going to go through the highlights here. And it's interesting to, to take a look at everything that is in that report. So it's free and it's accessible to you. What is interesting is that um, 29% of the dentists plan to look for a new job this year. That's almost a third of the dentist population. And I think the population is approximately 200,000, a little bit higher than 200,000. So that means that about 60,000 dentists may be moving to a new job this year. That's a lot of moving. So if you are a dental practice owner or a partner, you're earning approximately $100,000 more on average than employee associates, uh, employee dentists or associates. But again, dental practice owners are the ones that are taking the risk, right? So they should earn a little bit more. Here's another number, $300,000 average salary of dentists who are satisfied with their annual income. And 29% of dentists that are not satisfied are dentists that are earning less than $200,000. And that 29% coincides with the 29% of dentists that plan to look for a job this year. So I guess if you're a dental practice owner and you're paying your dentists less than $200,000, you're going to lose those doctors to another facility, to the competition. 18% of dentists work more than 40 hours a week, while 21.5% of doctors work less than 21 hours a week. That's a good gig when you can only work, have the ability to work 21 hours a week. That's really cool. And 11% of dentists plan to retire in the next two years. That's about 20,000 dentists. Interesting. Okay, let's go ahead and move on. So I'll go ahead and link, send you the link or provide you the link if you want to take a look at a report. But if you don't want to get the link, just go to dentalpost.net. That's where you get the uh, the report. Okay, so I was reading a, um, I saw an article because I'm always looking for something, right? I saw this opinion on Newsweek. And just to clarify, I think most of us know that Newsweek is not Fox News, is not it's not right side broadcast news. It is a left leaning magazine. And so they had an opinion here, and that opinion is by Lawrence Alexander. He is the co director of the Institute of Law and Philosophy at the University of San Diego. San Diego, for those of you that do not know, is in California, which is also not a left-leaning or a right-leaning state. But in any case, 
we're going to continue. And what this opinion is about is in regards to how great the administration's been doing in 2022, 2021, because we're just beginning 2022. So let me read you the first paragraph or the introduction. Uh, for many, and, and I quote, for many, electing Joe Biden represented a return to normality, moderation, unity, and competence. Unfortunately, his presidency has only ushered hyper-divisiveness, immoderate policy, venality, and staggering incompetence. The list of Biden failures is long, and it grows daily. So, what is venality? That's the only thing that I did not understand. Venality, venality, venality. Give me one second. I'm going to teach myself something here today, if I can find it. Venal. Adjective. Definition of venal. Capable of being bought or obtained for money or other valuable consideration. Purchasable. Especially open to corrupt innocence. Okay, that's enough. I know what it is. And especially bribery, mercenary, a venal legislator, originating in, characterized by, or associated with corrupt bribery. Uh-huh. So, I think that's pretty clear now what that is. So, I understand better where we're coming from. I mean, I'm not going to go through this whole thing, but I think it's very clear that the withdrawal from Afghanistan was a complete mess. It was a disaster. And you don't have to be a Democrat or Republican to see that. You know, it was horrible to just get out of there. And what happened? He couldn't get everyone out. He got the troops out before getting the civilians out of there. Promised that he was going to get everyone out. He did promise that, but he did not. Uh, he stranded the people that were there, the Americans, and our partners that were there, and the Afghanis that were supporting us. And then in the midst of the evacuation, he left his administration and him, ultimately, left billions of dollars worth of arms, equipment, money in the hands of the Taliban. And thinking back to it, maybe the Chicago radical kids, if they were to invade a city next to Chicago, maybe the Biden administration would just go ahead and start giving him billions of dollars. That might be the best thing to do for them. There, some advice, and it's not costing them any money at all. So that was the first one. The second one is the, the southern border. Uh, that was also a complete disaster. And I don't care that you don't believe it or you, or you don't, you said that that was not a disaster, but it was because they let a lot, tons of people, thousands of people into the country and never checked them for COVID, never checked to see who they were, never verify who their identity. They could have been anyone. They could have been drug traffickers, sex traffickers, anything. They could have been gang members. They never verify their, their, who they were. And they let him into the country. His job, Joe Biden's job, was to take care of the law, to take care that the laws are faithfully executed. And they were not. They are when it benefits them. Moving on. Inflation. And I've said, the cancel Keystone pipeline. 
that was a I think that was the first thing that he did right before the disaster in Afghanistan. But at the same time that he canceled the pipeline, he went ahead and gave his okay for the Nord Stream pipeline that was from Russia to Germany. That was okay. And then Biden called on OPEC in Russia to supply more oil and gas so that they, we can reduce the prices. So we we could reduce the prices by approving the Keystone Pipeline, but then we're asking other countries to help us do that instead of us being responsible for our own future. And besides that gas that was supposed to be coming through the pipeline, the Keystone Pipeline, it it's still flowing into the U.S., but the difference is that it's coming through trains, it's coming through trucks, and it, maybe it's more harmful to the environment that had it been flowing through the pipeline. But I'm no expert in oil and gas production. Another one is identity politics. He's not hiring the most qualified people for the administration. He's hiring him best on, on race and sex. That's what he's doing. In many cases, the mishandling of the COVID-19 pandemic. That's a mess too. He just got shut down by the Supreme Court because it was unconstitutional to order the vaccine mandates. In the meantime, people are getting are going against each other because of all of this that's going on. You're not wearing a mask. You're giving me COVID. Yeah, but you're vaccinated. But maybe it doesn't work. Anyway, if you want to read this this whole article, it is on Newsweek. I still don't know if I'm going to provide this i guess i can there shouldn't be an issue me providing that link i'll get it to you moving on to the next topic because i'm going to try to go back to sleep so we talked about chicago let me close that up Miriam webster is here on venality good the other thing that i kind of like to close it out is um i'm going to be watching today Tampa Bay Buccaneers against Philadelphia. That's at 1 o'clock. So I got like 9 hours to go, so I better get ready for that. Las Vegas lost against Cincinnati. Cincinnati 26, Vegas 19. They got a cool um, stadium. I'd love to go there. And by the way, I'm going to be there. When am I going to be there? I'm going to be in Vegas this coming January 19th. The NADL Vision 21 is happening this weekend, so I'm going to be there. Maybe they got tours at the um, at the stadium. Not that they're not doing anything anymore, you know, their season's over. <laughs> Buffalo 47, New England 17. And then the other games for today is San Francisco at Dallas. And then Pittsburgh against Kansas City. Then Monday night, Arizona at LA Rams at 8.15. So maybe we need to talk a little bit about this uh, coming up because it is getting interesting. So anyway, I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to try to go back to bed and see if it works. If not, I don't know what I'm going to do. In any case, have a great weekend or what's left of the weekend. Take care and be happy out there. Bye-bye.